0: Welcome to the Underscore Transformation Podcast. My name's Jason West, and my name's Joe Ailes, and together with the founders of Underscore. In season two, we're focusing on implementation and the challenges that surround making changes to policies, processes, systems, and team structures. If you'd like to know more about scoping a transformation program, please take a listen to season 1. This week is the second part of our deep dive into testing. In part one, we discussed how testing covers a lot more than just systems, the value that an experienced test manager brings, and we took a look at test strategy and its contents. We also covered how to construct a really effective test plan and how important it is to keep that updated throughout your implementation. And then we got into the various different types of testing, smoke, unit, performance, security, UAT, and the like. So we covered a lot of ground, it was a a big topic, um, and we're not quite finished with testing just yet. Um, So there really is a lot going on in testing. Uh, And next we need to figure out how we're going to coordinate all this activity. Um, any new ERP or HCM system uh, throws up hundreds, possibly thousands of design enhancements and defects that need fixing. So how do you keep a track of all this activity when you've got process owners demanding changes, test teams identifying defects, and functional consultants running around making changes all over this new system that you're implementing? How do you deal with that job?
1: well jason good question the first thing you need is a robust defect management system and Mm. management process really so this is the uh this is a process whereby any defects or enhancements that you do that you inevitably are going to find during testing um you're going to record somewhere review their severity and 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 categorize these these issues um and um um, assign them to um, a functional consultant um, or a process, a f- functional consultant, of course, to, to solve the technical issue um, or a process owner for resolution in terms of policy and process and so on. Um, and one of the things that you are going to continually do through your project is as you identify issues, you apply these fixes and then you have to um,
0: regression test those.
1: Mm.
0: Um, in fact that's we did a whole lot of uh definitions around different it, types of testing and yes. in the last one but we didn't cover regression testing did we, we probably no, probably cover no that, it,
1: we? yeah we, we perhaps should talk a little bit about what that means because that is a term that uh, is going to become all all very familiar uh, when a system's even in production because it is mm. something that organizations are going to have to get uh used to uh, um to, to doing um, so you know, sim- sim- simply regression testing is you're testing uh, areas of the product that have been tested before, but now because you're applying a, a change uh, or an enhancement to an area of a system, you're going to go, you're going to have to go back and, and retest uh, some of those, those functional areas. Yeah, and so that's what you
0: would do on a live system, isn't absolutely,
1: it? Absolutely, absolutely, and uh, and and technology, um, software as a service technology will tend to update itself every three to six months, and uh, and the technology suppliers, the the those vendors, vendors will. Um, Naturally, and rightly so will encourage organizations to have um, regression testing um, processes in place because you know they they're they're applying enhancements to and and adding new features to to the existing technology and existing you know functional areas of their system mm-hmm. um, their organizations are going to have to 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 test how how is that new feature uh, going to fit into my my system and Ultimately, making sure that that new feature isn't going to break anything that you've designed and developed
0: previously. Yeah, so one of the the biggest areas to test in in when you're doing your regression testing is often in reporting and in integrations because that tends to be where things most often break and are, could be really quite serious if it's an yes. integration if so, they break. No, could be security.
1: It could be uh, as, as well because you know mm. you might be making changes to a particular business process, for instance, that requires um, certain roles to to approve stuff or see stuff. And all of a sudden, guess what? They they can't see it because the, the security is not there. So you're going to have to make changes to, to to security policy to allow those individuals to see those bits and those features. Uh, and by enabling that security on that user you may inadvertently be opening up a whole load of security um, visibility to of the system um, mm. to that user that you hadn't really intended to. There's, there's an awful lot to think about uh, when you had an enhancement or a new feature uh, onto something that's been tested thoroughly. And so you know paying attention to regression testing is really important. And that, yeah. that's why having enhancements and additional features quite close to go live is quite dangerous because actually you've not had the time to really thoroughly test and probably regression test everything that you need to test before you, before you turn the system on. So word of warning to anybody out there, if you've got enhancements that are uh, or good ideas prior to go live um how close are you to go live because you've got to really drive progression t- testing through uh the system to make sure that you you haven't inadvertently broken something um prior yeah. to go live yeah so that's yeah. really uh, that's
0: really important no, absolutely. So back on the the defect management side, yeah. um, we've we've got this process where we're identifying lots of things that need to change. Some of them are defects. Some of them are enhancements. And mm. there's this process of reviewing those, categorizing them, putting a severity on them, and then feeding them to the right people. So it's the triage process. of well, yes. first was triage within, with, within testing. So who is it that should be owning that? Where does that sit in the program structure?
1: Um, typically, it should be the uh, t- the test manager that owns um, the triage process. Mm. Um, um, and they're owned by the customer, first and f- foremost. It's yes. not the, the yeah. technology vendor. Um, bugs and issues and and, and importance of those um, bugs and issues um, are categorized by a, by the customer um, because ultimately it's you know this this particular issue has this this much impact on my on my system and my user experience and this is how much I care about that issue. Um, yeah so so that's uh, that's that's really important and it's it's all coordinated and controlled um by by the test manager and the accountability i guess um of um fixing those issues um should be uh, the process owners for each of their respective um functional functional areas yeah so they they're the ones that are i guess um prioritizing Um, how important this issue is for me to get fixed and it could be a a technology issue and we, we you know this is much broader than technology. We do I know we're focusing a lot on technology because this is language that's typically used within systems implementations, but we mustn't forget that any form of transformation is not just about system implementation. It's um it's people, it's policy, it's um process, um, it's technology, it's culture, it's a whole bunch of different things that the process owner should be should be um held to account for.
0: Yeah yeah so the that whole um triaging piece Mm. it's really important that the test manager or the person that's owning this really this is where their depth of understanding of of the technology really comes to the fore because they're able to make distinctions between no that is actually a defect that needs to be investigated No, that that's actually an enhancement the, mm. you, you've changed what you've designed that, so that there's differences in those. But also, actually, it was just a training issue, or yeah. hold on, we've got a problem here with policy or process. We need to get that to the right people, and and being able to kind of understand all that and push it to the right people is is what a really great test manager brings to your program.
1: Wow. Absolutely, absolutely. If if you've if if a, te- a test manager with that experience in a technology, um becomes um it, it just becomes more of a test coordinator to be honest um mm. someone who who tracks issues um yeah. and pushes the issues um signposts where uh, where issues are meant to go but really doesn't really understand the impact of the issue um, yeah. and and and, you, and isn't really able to articulate um across a number of stakeholders um the the importance of having that fixed. So um, it then puts an awful lot of pressure uh, on process owners to be able to articulate back to the technology vendor, for instance, um, technical nuances within the system and how to get the system to do what it needs to do. Um, And again, one of the other things that a test test manager with, with solid experience in the technology would do is not waste the time Um, Of technical consultants to triage things that actually are not possible within the technology they'll Mm. they'll quickly be able to sort of um, filter out and triage points that says actually know what what you're asking isn't technically possible within this product so let's not waste the precious time of technical consultants um, and let them focus on what they need to focus uh, which is fixing real issues rather than investigating or answering um, almost mute points, really. So um, yes. they, they'll play, having a test manager with plenty of experience will be beneficial to both the customer um, as well as the uh, um, those um,
0: system implementers and the system integrators, et cetera. Yeah, and they, they need to have sometimes quite robust conversations with people where you have somebody and I, i've been this yeah. person go but but it's rubbish There's, this, this is just rubbish why is it doing that, that this yeah. is a bug it needs fixing um and uh, uh you know the test manager say that's just a feature of the system that you bought
1: yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yes, yes find a way around
0: it <laughs> yeah
1: yeah yeah developer yeah create a workaround yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah you're asking for um uh, yeah, he's asking to, for a unicorn, and unicorns mm. don't exist, as far as I'm aware. Uh,
0: uh, who uh, knows in these times? Who knows? <laughs> so, the, so, so yeah. there's there's a lot of the, there's a lot that's going on here, and mm. so uh, how do you keep track of all of that? I would really recommend not keeping
1: it, not 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 tracking it on posted notes. <laughs> it's
0: probably a good start.
1: Or or. or, or or Excel spreadsheets. Um, yeah. Really, I mean, most most organisations will have some sort of case management system uh, that they will use. And, and mm. really, you need to start um, start with that. Speak to your IT functions; they will have a. Um, some a products that they will use um, to track defects and issues and uh, an issue an issue resolution system. They'll have a Jira a service now.
0: Yeah, or or an extension of uh, you know something more specific, whether it's Bugzilla or the, yes. yeah, that sort of thing. Um, yeah, and, there's lots of stuff out
1: there. Lots, of, lots, and lots of systems. And actually, and, and in many cases, the system implementers, those that are um, sitting there configuring your system, will probably have one of their own. Yeah. Um, and this becomes really the one version of the truth as, as far as what issues are we dealing with and how um, and and which ones do we prioritize and yeah. um, and you keep a log and um, and you keep you use this as a almost as your change control document at the very end of the uh, of the implementation i said okay these were my design requirements i've made some design changes which i've updated my my design specifications etc along the way and there've been some enhancements issues that we we have fixed over time, and you extract all of, you extrapolate all of that, um, and that becomes your 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 change control um, documentation as well. Yeah, and of course, yeah. you, meanwhile you're still updating um, process flows and etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera, with the changes you're making along the way. You're making changes to target operating model potentially. You're changing roles and responsibilities, and all of that will have to be maintained. But um, but documenting things, in a, documenting all of these things, all of these issues and defects, enhancements, et cetera, in a system where you're able to easily export and extract that data um, and keeping it somewhere, um, stored somewhere uh, as your change control document um, is, is good practice.
0: Yeah. So, and, and, and keeping a record of the business rationale behind why these changes were made. Yes. It can be so easy to go round and round in circles on something, yeah. oh, it, yeah. and and you can waste time, and you can make some really great decisions at the time that make absolute sense. That you know, it, even post go live, you look back on it and go, "Why on earth did we do yeah. that?" It's I mean, just
1: keeping bonkers. keeping decision logs, keep your decision logs uh, of, of these. This this is gold dust, um, yeah. because you will be live for three six months, and somebody will ask you the question. Okay, so tell me why you've designed something like that, um, and especially if you've had if the process owner is no longer around, yeah, um, you know you've got you know the thinking is in that process owner's head as to why they've designed a policy, a process, or a the um, tom in a certain way. You need to have that documented um, yes. to be able to refer to it. Absolutely, you can make changes, um, and you know world changes and the, the things evolve when you're in production we absolutely encourage every single organization to continually to optimize what you've got um but you need that to have that solid baseline okay this is what we've made the decision based on the information we had and this is what this is this, these are the set of decisions we've made and this is why we've designed what we've designed
0: yeah. um but the accountability for tracking that sits with the client, not the always. system implementation yeah a, yeah, implementer. yeah. Um, uh, I don't know if,
1: if I don't know if in years gone by um, with um, on-premise implementations, a lot of that might have sat. Um, the responsibility for, for mm. that might have sat with our technology provider perhaps uh, I'm sure our listeners will probably tell us uh, where, whether that's <laughs> yeah. the case or not but yeah no, in 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 software as a service um, deployments, the ones that we we've Um, experienced over the years it's always always been the client's responsibility to make sure that this happens
0: so whilst it's fine to use your uh, system implementation partners defect tracking tool during the project um, if you don't have a suitable one available you really do need to sort out one of your own by the time you go live because otherwise what are you going to do with this information you'll output it to an excel spreadsheet and it kind of dies a death and and that it that ongoing governance and control process and systems are going to be essential to um maintaining and mm. continuing to to develop this new product and all, all the processes and policies that, that that are attached to it
1: yeah uh, absolutely
0: as, as yeah. over the over the course of what will be many years
1: yeah yeah absolutely and um I, IT organizations um i t functions have ved these for years um so if, yeah. uh, if, if the, if the IT function, I mean, it, you know, we talked previously about the right structure for these programs and, uh, and how some perhaps some software as a service technology providers, um, are trying to almost keep the IT function at arm's length yes. uh, and trying to sell directly to, to the, to the functional heads, you know, the finance, the CFOs and the, uh, um, CPOs, et cetera. But actually, um, we always talked about making sure that the IT function are are integrated into into the project and yeah. and, and have a role in the project and and the IT the IT function should be providing um, infrastructure tools um, and processes that they've used for years around change control, configuration control, etc. They, they they've got an awful lot an awful lot of that those processes already there, so yeah. leverage that um in during your project, uh, and the you know the 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 triage process that the i t function may have uh, will have may be appropriate, may may not for your project, so but speak to i t absolutely speak yeah. to i t. they've got they've got tons and tons and tons of experience in this space um and you, actually when you're going through your governance structure, talking the language that the uh, the organization already understands uh, in terms of triage, defect management, prioritizing. How do you prioritize an issue? How do you categorize yeah. the issue? If you're using language that the IT function understands and ultimately the business understands, it just puts you in a little bit of a better position.
0: Yeah, if your IT function up, has has a, a you know one to four ranking of of, of, yeah, uh, of a priority of, of. if it has one to three if it has abc just use it use that yes don't
1: reinvent the wheel don't come up yeah. with something new um and upset the, your 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 um, CIO. So, yes
0: um, yeah. And on, on, on the, the, that kind of, uh, that people element of it, I'm, I'm sure we've covered it in a previous podcast, but uh, just a, a word of advice for any sponsor is just keep checking in with your, your CIO, uh, colleague, um, on, on, on the board and just make sure that, they're they're hearing good things from their team that your program manager is talking to the right people in the IT function and mm. that they're working together as a as a, a, a properly integrated team. If you if the CIO is nervous, if they're seeing that their team are being kept away or kept in the dark, or you know the the this this kind of finance or HR mm. project is kind of just off doing its own thing and you know not using any of our pre existing processes and processes, systems and those sorts yeah. of things you, that's a worrying sign and you need to make sure yeah. that that your program manager is not kind of building a wall around their program and kind of repelling all borders we, we've seen that happen and it, yeah. it doesn't end well
1: no no because ultimately when the product goes into operation um yeah. Yeah, the the it function will play a, a, a probably bigger role than it would have done in during the implementation because all of a sudden you've got users trying to access systems and. Print documents from it, and and uh, and you do not want the CIO to say, "Well, thanks very much. I don't know anything about this, but now now I'm having a problem that I need to deal with." Yeah, um, yeah. You, you don't want to be a CPO or a CFO in that space. So um, yeah. yeah, no, C- yeah. IT but- function are absolutely integral to to the success of, uh, of of any program. So they have to be they have to be integrated without yes. doubt. Yes,
0: yeah you're listening to the underscore transformation podcast your practical guide to business transformation to find out more visit underscore groupcom in fact that's probably a handy hint if, mm. if you're in a position where you're hiring a program manager to come in and, and run this program for you uh, you know alongside your transformation lead um, absolutely take references on them from the people that they they Give you their CFO or CPO or who, whoever they were directly working for, or you know that that kind of head of the function, but also speak to the CIO of that business uh, and just kind of check it out. So, how yeah. did the relationship work? It, it's uh, it could save you an awful lot of heartache um, if you if you don't do that cross check with the with at least you know at least the CIO if you're, you're implementing um, new technology. It, yeah. it would make absolute sense to do that. Yeah. Um, so on on these kind of people aspects mm. uh, of testing, you require a lot of input from multifunctional test teams. Uh, in end-to-end testing and user acceptance testing. And these are people that are you know drawn from across the business, different business units, different geographies, countries, whatever it may be. You need mm-hmm. to test this thing in multiple different ways uh, because it's going to get used in very different ways in different places. So deciding who's going to test in each phase is something that really does require quite a lot of careful consideration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we touched on some of that. Uh, in the last episode, yes, um, uh, but just to build on that, that everyone that's involved in testing should be absolutely clear about mm. what their roles oh. and responsibilities are during these various test phases, yes. Uh, and you've got to make sure that they're trained before testing begins, Because yeah. otherwise, it's just like wading through treacle because they don't it understand is. what's in front of them,
1: and and actually, it, it becomes really ineffective. Um, mm. And there is a danger that the first time the organization get the, get their hands on the system to test it for mm-hmm. the first time um, Evan had the sort of design workshops and, and the system integrator have gone away and, and and done some beautiful things with the system configured it the way those uh, as per the specifications in the design workshops and then um, the customer gets given access to to the system to test that first what well, you know that first prototype that first iteration of that design um, and there is and And and, um, there's a a very short window in which to test, right? So these Mm. things are typically implemented, you know, seven, eight, nine months. So you don't have a lot of time to do... um, Lots and lots of testing. So maybe you're looking potentially a sort of three or four week um, unit testing window the first time you get your hands on it. And we yeah. talked about the definitions of different testing last week. If your team isn't ready, isn't technically able to sort of jump straight in and start identifying the issues um, uh, from from the go, you will end up spending two, one, two, three weeks um for people to get them to making themselves familiar with the system. Yes. Um, and then ultimately unit testing will have disappeared, um, will have will have gone by. And then the, the individuals will start to become more and more familiar with the system towards what we call end to end testing. And it's mm-hmm. at this point that they start to identify, identifying an awful lot of issues and defects and enhancements. Uh, and the system integrators hate it because it's at this stage the system should be ready to go live. Why are we making so many changes? And the reason we're making so many changes is because actually unit testing wasn't effective because people didn't know what they were doing. People weren't trained. Uh, People didn't know what they were testing. And we talked last week about having the difference between scripts and uh, and scenarios. Yeah, uh, if you're having to give somebody a script because they, it, it means they don't understand the technology and they can't, yeah. they don't know what they're doing. So if you give them a scenario, I want you to test a purchase purchasing process or. Um, Uh, um, add a new supplier
0: to the system raise the first purchase requisition send it for approval raise a purchase order if
1: if i'm having to train, if if you if you don't know how to conduct the simple simple business processes and simple those those tests it means that i'm gonna have to spend an awful lot of time um training you during that unit testing window and yeah time will have gone by so actually forget about that make sure that people are trained prior to them getting their hands on it
0: yeah and um, that's training on the system the test the process, process yeah their role, their role. But, but i think mindset's really important isn't it to yeah a really good test team they've got a particular gotcha. mindset don't they yeah they, 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 they've got to be interested in breaking it and yeah. take
1: pride in it oh you've given me a shiny blue shiny new, new process let me see if i can tear this apart yeah. um you know they're not they're not being disrupted um disruptive or destructive, they, they need to go in with, uh, okay, this needs to land well across the organization. So, you know, it needs to be foolproof and it needs to work really, really well. Um, yeah. So they need to understand what, again, one of the other areas actually is they need to be involved in um, those design workshops. They need to understand what was the rationale for making those design decisions uh, and what was the rationale for creating those business logic and that business logic, in process, policy, et cetera. So then, when I get my hands on it, I will try to come up with um, testing sort of scenarios and execution of tests that actually might go against some of those design decisions we've made. Yeah. Um, so if you've, you know, if you've created a, uh, I will send for a anything for a uh, over a million a million dollars mm-hmm. or a million will We'll we'll ex- we'll go for approval of X. So I'm now going to make sure that I test that, uh, and I want to make sure that okay, if I send it for nine hundred thousand pounds, will it still go to that approval or not? Um, it, it's that type of, 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 of mindset that you need to have.
0: Yeah. Now, I think there's, um, uh, I think there's probably some something we should just cover off before we close out on this piece on testing. Hopefully, we've provided a relatively uh, in depth. Uh, now, <laughs> it wasn't meant to be in depth. It was meant to be a fairly high-level introduction. But I guess we're just like talking about testing. Yeah, know, it's, we,
1: it's important. We've seen so yeah. many projects
0: fail, Jason, haven't we? Because not That's enough attention was paid to it. Yeah, you've got to test it. Yeah. Um, so, given that we're mm-hmm. in this um, strange new world where we can't get teams together right now to put them in a room and uh, mm-hmm. you know, spend a week or two testing something, where you've got your process owners there you've got functional consultants there you've got your test manager all there answering questions Mm. dealing with stuff in the room you know what with people that have got live system projects now but that are still continuing and they're kind of looking at at this kind of uh, test test sessions coming up Mm. What what are the main considerations people need to think about, and you know what advice can we give them at at, at this early stage uh, as mm-hmm. as we're all kind of getting to grips with this now?
1: Yeah, I mean, actually, one of the programs I'm I'm leading right now, actually, um, we've um, we've we've managed to um, mobilise um, virtual testing, so. Um, mm. Yeah, which is uh, which is uh, which has been interesting. I mean, this has this uh, situation we're in now, and uh, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, uh, obviously COVID nineteen has uh, has impacted an awful lot of, uh, of organizations, people, etc. Yeah, and this is um, the thirty
0: first of March, twenty twenty, and yeah. we uh, based in the UK right now, so we're 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 on lockdown. We're
1: on lockdown. We're doing this. We're doing this podcast remotely as well. So. Um, uh, and uh yeah no, we've we've um launched some testing activities um virtually so um mm-hmm. the way we've the way we've organized it actually we brought we brought the uh the process owners onto uh uh onto a virtual um uh, meeting this morning using microsoft teams yeah um gone through the scenarios that uh we we expect them to perform um these are the tests that we 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 need the teams to do to do and uh, and actually we've we've set this they've, they've, they've gone off on their own and uh, and uh, we're, we're having a reg, we're having regular um daily checkpoints to to make sure that we've not we're on track of uh, against the plan so um there that i you know, ideally you'd like to have people in a room uh, and bouncing ideas off each other so the the channel of communication is still open so uh, we, we're keeping the chat going so people are, uh, are bouncing queries off each other um and if there are particular issues, we, we we'll quickly jump on a on a quick call to just uh, uh address. You know, we talked a bit about triage, Um mm. just a, do a quick triage on on a on a particular p- particular issue that the individuals might have come across, um, to unblock it and allow it to move on. So um, there are. Um, you know, this is the, perhaps the new reality of deploying programs now, um, where we're having to rely much more on on virtual working. Um, yeah,
0: and, and frankly, you know, we've done this yeah, enough times in the past on global projects. You you just have normal, you, yeah, yeah. You, you have virtual teams because they yeah, can't all be in one place it, at one yeah, exactly, time. Exactly, exactly. Training
1: becomes much more important um, mm. in in this virtual way of working because um, you know if you don't have. The the support of someone sat there by your side, they can just look, yeah. your, look over your shoulder and provide you a bit of steer and guidance on something you're doing. So, you know, so if you're doing virtual, um, virtual testing requires a more discipline from individuals, uh, making sure that things get executed in a timely manner because everything is time bound with with these programs and we don't have infinite amount of time like we talked about before we've got you know three to four weeks for each uh, window of testing at best um and uh, and uh uh, and individuals need to be pretty pretty effective um so training is is key um having that right mindset is key um as um uh, as 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 well as having g- good coordination and strong coordination from 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 a, te- a test manager, Frank. Yeah, you know what the, doing.
0: The, and and having that kind of virtual facilitation of the group and and keeping that going throughout the the days of the testing and keeping everybody connected and and you have to kind of over communicate in these situations to yeah. to make sure that you don't end up with people kind of going off in weird directions. Mm-hmm. Totally. Uh, so, yeah, it's all doable. Um, it is you might doable. need to allow a little bit more time, perhaps, in your plan to. Yep to take into account that this is now virtual and that they just might need a little bit of a little bit more space to, to get this stuff done, yeah. but testing really important, sorry, training really important, as you said, mindset. Um, and I think that's probably a good place to, to draw to a close on this because we've talked yeah. about testing an awful lot because it is really important. <laughs> um, but, uh, so the, you know, we covered off previously, um, that, the importance of getting the right test manager in, strategy, test plans, all the different types of testing uh, we've covered off. Uh, you know the team, who, who to get involved, how to run things virtually. Um, you know we've we've covered the defect management process. Um, we've talked a lot about testing, so uh, let's look forward now to next week uh, uh, where we'll be talking about uh, governance and control during this implementation. Uh, phase during the build phase of of your transformation and what we were what we had planned was some roundtable discussions on uh, you know the broad topic of these 10 key uh, success factors uh, the from our, our build checklist uh, that's quite difficult to do now um <laughs> given that uh, We can't really uh, sensibly put a lot of people in a room together. Um, So we are going to uh, focus more uh, in uh, some future episodes on how to deliver a transformation program in a virtual world where everybody is working 100% remotely and some of the practical guidance and advice on, on how to make that work. So that will be coming up and we'll be inviting our head of uh, leadership development, uh, Lucy Finney, uh, onto the podcast. Uh, so we'll be doing that in the next couple of weeks. So listen out for that. And uh, we'll, we will catch you next week where we'll talk about governance and control.
1: Uh, Thanks for listening. We really appreciate your support. So this episode focused on one of 10 critical success factors in the build phase of transformation. If you'd like to be at the front of the queue for next week's episode, please hit the subscribe button. And don't forget to like the show if you found it useful. If you have any questions or opinions you'd like to share, please contact us, Joe Ailes or Jason West on LinkedIn or via our website, underscore hyphen group dot com.